Welcome to the D-Head Podcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. Hi, I'm Emma. <laughs> oh, that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to take a drink of coffee or something. Yeah, right really in the start. middle of our intro. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think you were going to start already. Like What? <laughs> I was just... <laughs> well, okay. We do have a, a guest host this episode. Emma... Why don't you introduce yourself, let everybody know what you do, where they can find you. Uh, I'm a parrot. Yes. <laughs> there, are, there, there are many parrots behind you. Uh, so I stream on Twitch, but I also have a podcast called The Pointless Parrot Podcast with guests from the board game industry. And I just do a whole bunch of craziness on the interwebs. Basically, that's I am awesome. really bad at promoting myself, so that's <laughs> no, well, that's pretty. Accurate. Beast on her pe- beast on her Patreon balance. We're pretty bad at promoting ourselves too. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> join the join the club. You'll fit right in. Yay! <laughs> well, I'm uh, definitely happy to have you on. And I was a mm-hmm. guest on one of the very early episodes of the Pointless Parrot Podcast, episode five, I believe it was. You mm-hmm. would glean zero uh, personal details about myself in that episode. It was really about nothing. <laughs> I think it was the least personal episode, except for like the one with Isa, which was scripted. Yeah, right, right, right. I have uh, been, I'm due for a repeat appearance, but you continually say no every time I ask. Uh, so maybe, maybe I'll be on for a second episode. <laughs> Well, at some point, I, like I have still a list of guests I need to go through first. Yeah, but I mean, right? you can you can give me preferential treatment and bump me to the top of it. Could I? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you should. You you are an international man of mystery, there, Leland. So That's... I understand why you gave up no personal details. <laughs> That's a valid point. <laughs> well, he gave up some information, but still, he's a man. He's alive. There you go. Yeah. Two pieces That's as far as it goes. <laughs> if he wanted to change his last name to something else, it would be Leland Head and Shoulder Steel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I often have uh, experienced dandruff, and uh, Head and Shoulders specializes in fighting such a condition. I have found that it makes it worse. Like head <laughs> actually, and it does is suck. Yeah, really no, bad. it just dries my scalp. It sucks. <laughs> head and Shoulders sucks. So our sponsorship it beats deal? aliens, though. Beats aliens. There's there's that old like uh, I think like 2001 movie, I think it was called Evolution or something like oh, that, where aliens yeah. attack with like Sean Michael Scott or, or mm-hmm. whoever that guy was yeah, from American yeah, yeah. Pie, and they find out by like like shooting a bunch of head and shoulders up the aliens' butts. That oh it, yeah, like, they give them an enema. Kills the alien. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like the only scene explodes. I remember from that whole movie. <laughs> Well, so when you say head and shoulders, that's that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, head, shoulders, and assholes. <laughs> well, now I can join the club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's banter. Let's get. Let's move banter. on to banter. Uh, I guess I'll start. And this is actually something I just saw this morning. Uh, so Zack Snyder's next film, Army of the Dead, uh, being made. Uh, I think it's a Netflix original, right? So it's being produced by by Netflix. And it's actually going to get a limited theatrical release. 
And I think actually by the time this episode is out, it'll be in theaters in a very select number. He, they've, they've, Netflix has made this deal with Cinemark. Uh, which and a number of other smaller independent theaters are going to be able to, you know, be screening Army of the Dead. I assume Army of the Dead is some type of zombie thing. I don't really know what it's about, or have I haven't heard anything about this movie actually, so I have no idea what it. I think it has uh, Dave Bautista in it though. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. interesting. And then it comes out on Netflix and the streaming service on May twenty first. So I guess the theaters get about a week. It seems like about a weekish jump on uh, the streaming services for those that are wanting and. You know, wanting something to go see in the theaters, I suppose. So it's almost like we're going back. So we went, we're streaming and Netflix took over like a bunch of movies and new releases. And now they're cutting deals to now release Netflix content in theaters first. Yeah, in a yeah, yeah. Capacity. It does seem like they're, or at least they always try to be ahead of whatever curve they're projecting on, right? Now the the streaming market is being saturated as fuck. I guess they're like, okay, well, let's try to do something else. And they have the leverage and the money to be able to make these kind of deals. Even if they may, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the the details of this deal, obviously, but even if it's not as financially beneficial to Netflix as something else might be, it's still they're ahead of it, and they're they're making something new again i think right because i mean we've talked a whole bunch of how it how just stale netflix content has felt in the in the last few months and that's being generous i think <laughs> mm-hmm. well but shadow mm-hmm. and bone is out now you did watch that right it wasn't stale yeah i've binged it in a weekend and it was good you enjoyed it yeah based off of a novel right another an existing ip yeah it's a it's a book uh, book series is it like a ya thing I guess. I don't know. It made me want to get the books to read. Yeah. To know what's going to go on next to it. So. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about it. Because when did that drop? Like last weekend or two weekends ago or something? Uh, Two weekends ago. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, everyone was talking about it. Everyone's tweeting about it on Twitter. It's going all over the place. So a lot of people were sounding like they're enjoying it. So I'm sure it'll get more seasons, right? Uh, it should probably, yeah. That's all I have for banter. That's it for me. Just something small. Okay. I got a small banter as well. Well, I, you know, I guess I'll throw both of mine at you, but uh, the first one I've got is um, the Stranger Things season four trailer has come out. Have oh. either of you seen it? No. I think I only saw like a teaser a way back. Okay. This, this just got released and it's, it is a teaser. Uh, what it shows is a bunch of kids who I guess are gifted like 11 and it shows just the back of the guy and you hear him talk. I forget his name, but he's, he's the main bad guy from like the first couple seasons. The guy that's Papa that uh, raises Eleven. Um, so he's obviously back. Oh. I mean, it is a teaser. There's two things that stand out. One, it's either shows that the season four is going to um, have a bunch of flashbacks. I believe because this it's definitely a prequel. You see Eleven and she's... Um, in a prison kind of cell, but I'm going to laugh because there's a funny part to this, but so I think it's either going to be flashbacks or the whole season is going to be a prequel, which could be cool. But the other thing is they fucking de-aged 11. She's like 16 and they de-aged her back down to like 11. I'm like the technology is being used for that at this point, like to de-age a kid, to be more of a kid. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. She's clearly de-aged. I was going to ask because... Yeah, in the first season, like she she literally was like an eleven year old actor or whatever. <laughs> These kids were so young. Wow. Okay, you that's can't interesting. Grow up fast. I, yeah. Well, that's the problem with child actors. Well, Disney has their own digital puberty blockers, so <laughs> can retro- <laughs> can retroactively make a kid like a teenager a kid again. That's so. That's really. The implications of that are really interesting. I guess it opens up a whole lot more uh, narrative possibilities in a in a physical like a format like like a movie or or, a, or television. But wasn't the teaser that was released earlier with uh, Hopper in Russia being alive and stuff? So I don't think it's going to be completely flashbacks, right. but I think maybe one or two episodes. Right, being that's a true. Again. Yeah, but that was wasn't that just. Did it actually show Hopper, or was it just speculation that it was Hopper in a cell in Russia? No, it's. I think it showed him, right? But may, maybe he went back in time. Boom. You solved that. I remember really hinted that it was Hopper. I, rem- I remember what Emma's talking about. I really hinted that it was Hopper, hmm. whether or not it was him. And, and, you know, she's probably right. You're probably right, Emma, in that it makes more sense to just have some major flashbacks in season four than to do it all as a prequel. That's like Archer level stuff right there. So yeah, right. I mean, how interesting could a prequel to the first season of Stranger Things be? <laughs> with like, how far back are they gonna go? <laughs> with the kids, I mean, with the specific actors. Yeah, true. But like, it could give more insights on how they started doing those experiments and how the first whole, like, the first portal got created. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, Moby, mm-hmm. I know you were uh, kind of disappointed that Matthew Modine is the actor, right? Uh, Papa. That's his name, yes. correct? Yeah. Uh, you were a little disappointed in season three that he, was, he wasn't he was there. Or was he even, even in two? I don't even remember. They're, they blend together now. He, he was in two a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was in three at all. And I was disappointed because he's kind of the mean bad guy. And I think he's a good bad guy, like in that he's just so kind of like creepy. Hmm. He's just just so overwhelmingly creepy for what he, how he acts, and just how he talks with that soft-spoken voice that Modine has. Yeah. Plus, he's in some of my favorite movies when I was a kid, so it's kind of cool to see him back. Mm-hmm. It's like underlying menace. Yeah, yeah. But if they do prequel flashbacks, they'll have the opportunity to bring back some people that have died, uh, which is kind of cool. Like, you might see Sean Astin's character. There's the opportunity for that, so. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, anyways, that's all I had to say about that. Hmm. But Re- Resident Evil uh, 4.5, Leland, how are you enjoying <laughs> Resident Evil 4.5? <laughs> I am enjoying it so far. I haven't played too much. Um, I, I actually did just get through the first castle part. So I, I, I'm a ways in. Um, and four point, uh, RE 4.5 is the perfect description of it because it literally is everything they implemented in the RE2, RE2 make and Resident Evil 4. <laughs> they just took them and smashed them together. And they're like, oh, I guess this is going to be first person, so we'll use Ethan. Who's right. like the first person character right. for <laughs> for Resident Evil. And you're so right, Leland, in saying that like the merchant hat, you texted me the merchant has more personality than Ethan after two <laughs> yeah, games. he does. <laughs> I actually really like the merchant. Is... <laughs> the merchant's hilarious. <laughs> I haven't met him yet. I got to oh, see him. Oh, okay. I don't think it's too... 
It's not really a spoiler because he says this line, but one of his lines of dialogue, and he said it to me multiple times already. You go up to him, he says, "What are you buying?" <laughs> Just kidding. It's a line <laughs> of my old friend used to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, actually. It's really good. Yeah, it's he's like he's literally the best written character so far in the entire game, and I'm, <laughs> we've talked to a lot of characters. <laughs> What's well, good because the merchant from the original game kind of stole the show from the original re4 mm-hmm. so glad to hear the new guys cool yeah when i finally got to the point you know the the intro is kind of cool um i really like how it starts with the storybook thing i'm like wow and it was like a really well yeah that was uh, very stylized storybook animation very stylized and then you know you're in ethan's house walking around that's kind of cool but as soon as you actually got to the combat part and like I look at looked at the inventory and everything like that, and just the initial scene where you're under attack in a town, putting barriers up, finding a shotgun halfway through. It's like it's exactly Resident Evil 4's introduction battle. Yep, it it, it 100% is. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I'm if I was disappointed by that. It's I don't think it's a negative or a positive for me. You know, it was a negative for me slightly because when I got to the cutscene where, you know, the lichens gather around you and there's like Big Daddy Lycan with his hammer, um, I was so sure that this was just a copy of Resident Evil 4's intro that there wasn't tension for me. Like I knew I wasn't going to die. It wasn't a death scene. I literally thought I'm like laid back on the couch. I'm like, oh, wow, look at this copy. I'm like, Where's the church bell going to go that's going to call them away? Dong, dong. Oh, there it is. And then they all go away following the bell. And I'm like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Right. So, okay. Man, I mean, I didn't... I wasn't expecting to get sued. I bet you, though, when we both finish this, we could literally just do a bonus episode on RE8. Really talking about it. We could probably do that. We should. We should. It's been a while since we've done a bonus. Yeah, it has. It has been. Uh, But... uh, Dang it! What was it? Okay, so this installment then, does it feel like this is for a fan of the franchise like yourself that have, has been in it long running, or is this really? Are they seeming like they're catering it more to draw in new people to this franchise? I mean, yeah, it's REA, but it doesn't even have a number in the title technically. Like it feels like well, they've, sh- they've shied away from it, even though it is like now, like it's one of those canon numbered entries as far as the overall plot of the whole series goes. But really, is it? Like, it barely feels like it. Well, I the, the, the saying that comes to mind is actually from Lord of the Rings, the movie. You know, too, too little butter spread over too much bread. I mm. think uh, uh, Bilbo says at one point in, in the first movie. And it feels like they're trying to catch everybody. Like, they're trying, you know, you've got Chris and you've got Ethan and they're trying to carry on the series forward a bit, but it also seems like it's trying to, like you said, introduce a new generation to RE4 who haven't played it. It's it's weird to think that it was a full generation ago, but I mean, yeah, the game was like, what, 16 years old now? Something like that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, my actual thought was a little different. I actually thought that Capcom used this game or was using this game to actually train some of their programmers in re4 style resident evil like it i I don't know and i could be completely wrong about that 
but it almost felt like they were incorporating so much from RE4 as a practice run using the RE engine because that's what they're going to use to make the RE4 remake, which has already been announced. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of killed two birds in one stone. They've established a lot of the inventory system, the technology. They've got the merchant. They've got treasures. They've got everything that they need for the RE4 remake, which you would presume is the next big Resident Evil release that's going to come out. I mean, that makes sense. That literally, that's that makes so much sense, really. Like, yes, this this so far, everything I've, that I've experienced in this game, there's no mechanic in it that I have not experienced before. Yeah, which is kind of sad. Yes, it is, and they've 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 lacquered this finish on it of of you know werewolves and vampires as opposed to zombies, and they're trying to sell us a new bill of goods, but it's it's really the same same thing. Yeah, completely the same. Yeah, it, it is completely the same. So, <laughs> but but weirdly, I'm not angry about that right now. Let me no. let me see when I finish the game. Let's see. But currently, I'm not angry about it because I'm enjoying the game. Yeah, I'm definitely having fun with it so far. I mean, I'm less in it than you are. And it's already enough fun that, you know, we're shooting texts back and forth, making fun of parts of the game. And so at least it's memorable mm-hmm. um, so far. And uh, yeah, but you're right. We'll have to do a bonus on it when when we're done. I agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I cannot talk about Resident Evil. So <laughs> <laughs> like you can continue and I will just... Go away. <laughs> well, what do you have for banter? Well, I had to. I'm not normally. I can banter, but that's mostly about other stuff. But I thought I, I've been watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy for the first time, and I'm now in season nine, I think. <laughs> but there's like 17 seasons. Like the 17th season is like being aired right now, and I'm like, w- like at some point a series can go on too long. Uh yeah. I would say 9 seasons you're it's already at the point of going on too long. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how many of the original cast are still in it 9 seasons in? Well, per, like still a lot, honestly. Wow. Uh let's see. Izzy is Izzy is gone now. Some people died. Yeah. But like the main core is still there. I think at some point Christina is leaving. I know Derek is at some point dying. Like I have already heard all the spoilers, so I know at some point I thought he would have died already because he got shot and that kind of stuff. But is this, for me, it's is like, this like a war show involving doctors? <laughs> I've never seen it. It's, yeah, some people died, and this guy's gonna die, and this guy got shot. I'm like, I thought this is a show about a hospital. It is, but they have very bad luck. So, like, there's been a shooter in the hospital. They have had a plane crash with the doctors. They have had... uh, What else has happened? So much... Like, they have the worst luck in the whole universe. So it's like, yeah. Like, I've already seen that there's going to be a huge storm this season, which is then going to be, like, the cliffhanger until the next season. Because it's still airing. It's still airing, yeah. <laughs> well, like this season nine is gonna have like a storm, and oh, then, I got you, which yeah, leads yeah. into season ten. Okay, I think like the current seasons they are incorporating the COVID stuff already, because right. they have to probably be also because of the filming and make it more accurate. But like, I I mean, I can catch up because I can watch more often than it airs right now. But still, it's like 
I've done a long time already about getting to season 9. <laughs> and then season 17. And they've added all these new characters at this point. Main core is still there, but like... There's all these new folks where I have no attachment to, and I'm like, do they want me to get attached to these people, or what is gonna, what is gonna go on? Yeah. What's gonna? I I will still continue watching it because I am a completionist, like Leland, <laughs> uh, and I want to continue watching. It. Yeah, well, maybe they have all these new characters so they can kill people other than the main cast off. But talk about a hell of a steady paycheck. In the film and, uh, and TV industry, though, holy fuck! You can imagine. Surely there are cast members that have been there for the majority of those seventeen seasons, right? Meredith Grey, the main character, still there. Dang! Still <laughs> I there. bet you that character is now that actress. Like she's that. She is Meredith Grey, probably <laughs> right. Like they eventually, they eventually become the same person when you're portraying somebody for seventeen years. <laughs> Well, I do think they're maybe gonna kill her off. I think I saw a spoiler that she got like COVID, and then like, I mean, I on TikTok I sometimes get like a clip, and then they're like, "Oh, she," I didn't don't want to watch it, but I feel like she's gonna get COVID and then die because seventeen seasons. I mean, at some point you gotta be done, right? You have enough money, you don't want to like you want to retire. I guess just chill and not play a doctor. Yeah, how does she ever get cast as anything else now? This is the problem. I don't know if she... You think she will, probably wants to play other roles. Surely she's done other things in between doing this, this show. Isn't that what a lot of I actors do? I want to look do? that up now, but... <laughs> I don't know if she's in other stuff. Well, bye, Meredith. Kill her off. And they can call it... They can, like, rename it after someone someone else, like uh, like uh, Smith's Anatomy or, or Percy's Anatomy or something. Just get a new... <laughs> die in a hail of bullets in the great Peace Arch Battle of two, 2021. Peace Arch, <laughs> Peace Arch Hospital, or whatever it's called. Well, good luck catching up. And yeah, I am in a completion, as I understand how you feel. At some point, though, even I give up. So kudos for you for sticking in there. <laughs> But it's also like I can watch it without like paying too much attention. Yeah, it's a background show, right? So yeah, totally, totally. All right, anything else for Banner, or time to hit up the first segment? Let's let's kick it off. All right, well, it's time for movie musings, and uh, this segment is titled Marvel Vision, which I think is a good title. Leland actually put together this uh, this uh, episode, which was great. Gave me some some well needed R and R. <laughs> and so but marvel vision is good because we're going to talk about uh wandavision a little bit and uh, uh falcon and winter soldier but also what do these mean in the bigger context of spinning off franchises so i think that's really cool so leland even though i announced uh this segment kind of where do you want to go with this as a start well i mean i know you uh i mean today the only things that have been released are WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, both of which Emma and I have watched, and I definitely enjoyed both of them. I think Emma and I conflict on which one we enjoyed more. I know, Moby, you've seen maybe yeah. a couple episodes of WandaVision. That's about it. Yeah, I think I've seen an episode and a half, and it, I mean, it was intriguing, but obviously at this point I have no idea where it's going. One of the things you wrote in the show notes is you wanted me to guess where it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd like to do that. Go for it. Okay. Let's uh, so, l- listener, listener, obviously, listener, like full spoilers from here on in because I'm gonna guess where these shows go and 
they're going to be spoiled so far. <laughs> Meredith Grey shows up. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Meredith Grey. Meredith Grey. That's a good name for like a, a super villain. <laughs> she is like, a good name, yeah. Really yeah. intelligent. Meredith. I believe that uh, Wanda and Vision are trapped in some sort of Matrix-style computer simulation by a supervillain. Pretty simple guess, but that's mm-hmm. my guess. How mm-hmm. far off base am I? Well, actually, you're closer than than you think, really, I think. Uh, it definitely is a simulation, and it, it's actually something created uh, not on purpose by Wanda, but in her grief... Uh, and loss, she, you know, her, her I guess her powers kind of get this, this boom in, in this, these intense emotions and creates this thing and really overtakes literally an entire town mm-hmm. and she's influencing her magics on this entire town in this idyllic, you know, it starts in the fifties and then it, it moves through some decades in the first few episodes, which is tied to Wanda's own psyche and how she grew up, which gets explored later in the season. So you're, you're I mean, honestly, you're not far off. So is there a bad guy or is like the conflict Wanda resolving what she's doing? If you are vigorously nodding your head, Emma, go step in, please. <laughs> it's been Agatha all along. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's not the bad guy. Well, there were a lot of people uh, theorizing that Mephisto was going to be in there and yeah. the bad guy. But that's not the... Like, I don't think there is a... I think she... Uh, well, Sword, was it? It was... Sh- sword. What was the... It's sword, yeah, yeah, Sword. So stupid. Um, it's not stupid. Sword, those are kind of the bad... S- sword takes care <laughs> of aliens. Shield. That's a... Th- these are two distinct government agencies. <laughs> I mean, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. may no longer exist in the MCU, but Sword's still up there. It's not stupid. <laughs> but I, I would, like... I have an argument that they are in a way also the bad guys. Yeah, the 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 dude, like the general dude, the uh, whatever his name is, he's the bad that guy. Dude, yes, ultimately. Yeah. But also, Wanda's the bad guy because she literally enslaves an entire town. Yes, she does it inadvertently, but then she realizes what she's doing and does not put a stop to it out of selfishness. Oh. But Agatha also is a bad guy in that regard. Then. Well, yeah, but she's just a bad person. Yeah, she just wants power. She wants because so yeah. so Wanda is this prophesized scarlet witch in this history of 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 like through salem and agatha is a a a witch that you know nearly died in salem and is seeking all this power for moby it's maybe good to say that agatha is agnes that's so in the first like the the noisy the nosy neighbor girl that's Mm -hmm. agnes she's agatha hargrave yeah hargrave i think Yeah, yeah yeah So it turns out, so it's these two battling witches, and then, and we get the, we get a witch battle, we get a we get a double vision battle because actually, the vision, like the vision with Wanda is a creation from Wanda, like Wanda made that vision a reality. Wow, I was gonna ask that. The guy from Sword, kind of tried to set up Wanda to get her to use her powers to reanimate the actual vision. And that kind of backfired on him, which resulted in her grief and the loss. Because she wanted, and she just wanted to bury Vision. And they had his body separated. Because it's like, what do they say? It's like $3 billion worth of vibranium in yeah. like the Vision's body is made of. But the, the guy from S.W.O.R.D. just wants, wants the weapon back. They want their Vision weapon back. 
So there's actually a really cool part of the end. You get a vision on vision battle, and then there's almost and then they have this really cool like actual battle of wits, which kind of because vision isn't just like a a brute force, right? Vision is intelligent. He's an intelligence AI. So I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, no, no, like one vision was really great, and I think it was a really good first entry for them. It was a strong first entry into this MCU TV stuff. I really do think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Soldier should have came out first, though. I think they should have led with that, because a lot of people say that it's the weaker of the two. I disagree, but that's because I like uh, those characters more. I will say, though, about WandaVision, the good thing about WandaVision is, I think it was during our Endgame or Infinity War discussions forever ago that I had mentioned that we've never... Wanda has never been given a chance to grieve over over her brother, right? And all this stuff that's happened to her. Like, now we're, we're getting it. Like, that character is now getting service um, done by her. So I think this is, it's great. And I think it was a good direction and a good choice. And I guess people are saying that in this season one of WandaVision, I don't know if there's going to be more seasons, but it's like a lead into uh, the, ne- the Doctor Strange movie as well. So that was kind of mm-hmm. part of the conversation I wanted to draw in. Is like, they're all in the same universe. And now this universe is going to get fucking huge. And we're going to have all these things happening. Is there going to get to a point where there's just such a barrier to entry to enjoy one of these movies? Probably. Like, you have to, you would maybe have to see a, a sizable portion to really understand what's happening in some of these movies. I would argue that the barrier is already there. Like, it's already there, for yeah. you to walk in, if you're, if you're a kid i don't know i'm trying to think of what age say you're 17 you know 16 15 whatever age where you're now you can engage this you know pg-13 rated material like unless you start at the beginning you're not really going to get it you're certainly not going to get maximum enjoyment because you're not going to know why these characters are doing what they're doing why is wanda in love with this robot with a gem in his forehead yeah you know why do Falcon and Winter Soldier work together? Why is Winter Soldier what he is? Why does he matter? Unless you watch the earlier films in the MCU that basically started with like phase one, in my opinion, I think you you are already lost. I really hope though that now with these series, which are like long movies at this point, both what like I don't know how much WandaVision will have an influence on whatever like of course with doctor strange and the multiverse i'm wondering if loki will have a role in that too but falcon and the winter soldier i don't know what's going to happen with sharon and like i feel like you have to watch falcon and the winter soldier to understand what's going to come next for those characters yeah and when vision was more of a hey have her grief moment she's the scarlet witch done Oh, and there's another mm. witch. There's witches. It's confirmed. Right, witches so. exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think yeah. it was more of a bookend for that specific character, whereas in the case with with Bucky and Sam, their stories aren't quite finished yet in regards to the arc that they started in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I feel like because you see how, of course, now Captain the new Captain America, who's a f- jerk and... Um, how, of course, Falcon becomes the new Captain America and all that stuff around it. If you, I'm sure they'll come back to that at some point, like, oh, and this and this. And it was nice to see how Bucky was spending time in Wakanda and like that kind of stuff. It was good to see. And I think it gives more insight in those things. And that Bucky's arm can be like detached 
like if you know the right probably sequence, will come back sure sure it's yeah. making a few like tidbits canon now that'll impact the power broker stories. yeah 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 so okay so here's my argument for i don't know if it's a it's an argument but i enjoyed falcon the falcon the winter soldier is better for me because it addresses everything that had came like literally everything that came before it. all of endgame stuff it's it's a direct it's a it's a direct sequel in quotes to Endgame because all the ramifications of half the world's population coming back suddenly after five years is playing out in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that's the main main arc through it. And it gets a little muddied near the end as far as some of the the main uh, antagonists that are, I mean, they're labeled as terrorists, but their cause is is just just not the way they're going about uh, trying to change things, and, and you know that. That gray area that's there. So I think, man, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is just, one, to Moby's point, it is it is the barrier. <laughs> you, you can't watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier <laughs> if you have no idea what happened before. Like, so Falcon and the Winter Soldier will make zero sense to you. That's not for new people to come in. And at this point, I think, Moby, you're right. There is no new jumping in point for people. You're, if you're in it, you're in it. If you're not, you're not. Yeah. And I mean, if you really like this stuff, I you could flip it around. Like, if it, say it teenager encountered the stuff and really likes it they've got a hell of a back catalog to work through of good movies that are all yeah, interconnected true. so to see for the first time you know you wanted to jump off you wanted to have a bunch of the segment about uh just the connected to star wars too how you know that's they started with the mandalorian and now suddenly we've got like 13 star wars shows spinning off and could the same thing happen to the MCU or, or other franchises? I mean, I would say definitely. I, I would say if Star Wars is doing this, I can't say successfully because we don't know yet. Bad Batch just got released. That was kind of the first spinoff. Most of them are later this year, if not next year. Right. Will it be successful? I mean, I believe it will be, but you could also have a situation like um, oversaturation of content, like you were mentioning with Netflix earlier. I mean, okay, look, if your job is in media and to talk about this stuff and you're paid by YouTube, you know, uh, views or Patreon full time to watch these shows. Yeah, I'm sure you can keep up. Normal Joe, I wouldn't, I guess I can't call myself a normal Joe because I'm weird, but a guy that, you know, works a job is tired, has other responsibilities. Am I going to be able to keep up with 13 Star Wars shows, even though I like Star Wars? You could if they continue releasing once a week. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's true. Well, that's that was true. a... We could have that conversation, too. Uh, but maybe in a second here, because I want to actually... I think that comparison between Star Wars and the MCU, I think Star Wars is ahead of the MCU in this regard, because the MCU is almost too connected at this point, Right for it be to be easy to jump in i think eventually though with with all the the tv shows and if they are going to be near like direct or indirect tie-ins into future movies as well i think people that are fans of specific characters will like picking up a comic run will literally be able to like i enjoyed this character i'm just going to watch everything that involves that character i don't care about the rest because i like sam wilson as the new captain america so i'm going to watch him go and I like Wanda. Oh, okay, she's gonna she plays into Sorcerer Supreme or whatever the ne the next uh, Doctor Strange movie is. I'm I'm gonna follow that character because I enjoy this character and I want to see where where she goes, which I think is really cool. But I think they're already there with Star Wars now, right? Because 
there's a there's a loose continuity with Star Wars, I think. And I and I I mean that not to say that it's a poor continuity, but I just mean like there's a longer continuity and there's more time to work in space working in what we've already seen is from the the first three trilogies, right? So it's it is way easier to to watch something like The Mandalorian and see, you know, tie-ins like with Luke's showing up at the end of season 2 to the rest of the universe, but like what that's cool. Cool. That's a great nod. But it's not dependent on me enjoying the rest of that source material. So I think Star Wars is ahead of the game as compared to MCU, in my opinion, which which is just going to be good for them. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Star Wars actually had the same problem that you're describing with the MCU, not on film or movies, but in their extended universe with their books. Like the books became so intertied together the history stretched so far into the future beyond the movies that Disney basically had to say, ah, like, reset, that's all going to be the Legends now. Right. The Legends series. And we'll have new continuity. But that's not necessarily bad because I hate to call Disney wise, but what Disney allowed to have happen is that creators could still bring in stuff from the extended universe like Thrawn, which is really big who they're bringing in yet they're not bound to the book history of Thrawn from like the early 1990s and maybe the MCU I don't know I don't actually necessarily think that would work for the MCU though I what you're describing is actually literally video comic book series Mm. like to the point that it's like comic books where you've got you know it's the winter soldier and you know falcon comic book series but it's just video it's just in tv format which actually makes a ton of sense so yeah i think you're right i think it'll just maybe become so big that you'll have your you know just like with comic books you'll have your favorites and you'll just watch that because unless you're a real keener it's too overwhelming to watch everything Mm -hmm. what do you think emma i mean you said you don't like star wars right you don't care about star wars well i've I've seen the movie, like I've seen the debate, like the original movies, maybe once. <laughs> so I don't remember any of it. <laughs> so who cares? Fuck Disney. I tried starting the Mandalorian, but like it started in a way where I'm like, I have no clue where we are, what this is gonna be. I feel like I need to watch the movies to be in that universe again before I want to start this. I I'm sure if I would like really sit down and take a moment to watch it it should be fine but then i will be like oh i want to like if i would now start with the mcu i would really go through the movies chronologically chronologically like they offer to on disney plus which oh they do that yeah 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 so that's also a good point for like people who want to get into it they do offer a nice playlist where you don't have to like Oh, how? where do I start? I remember saving an image for, like, which order should I watch the movies in. But now they did it for me. Yeah. Ironically, The Mandalorian is, like, the least connected to all the other Star Wars stuff uh, when it starts. It's really kind of in its own world. So you, uh, if you ended up watching the other newer Star Wars stuff, you're not actually going to get any insight on The Mandalorian. For it took me until the end of season two, Mandalorian, to actually realize in what era it takes place. I don't know why I thought it was like closer to the the prequel time. 
for some reasons. Because so I'm so disconnected from the chronological events in that that universe that I just I had no idea. I couldn't place it wherever the fuck it was. So do you think all of this stuff is now finally making Disney Plus a more viable platform for the people that don't necessarily give a fuck about Disney? <laughs> you know, like I like for me, I mean, I don't give a shit about Disney, <laughs> but I like these. I'll watch. Like, I want to watch The Bad Batch. I'll watch it. Yeah. I Well, it made me sign back up. I had when Mandalorian season two had ended, I stopped my Disney Plus. There was no other reason. I just WandaVision wasn't compelling enough to keep me for that fee but um this also as well like mighty ducks i know that's like classic disney but that's something i wanted to watch and i've got star wars coming out you know bad batch i'd like to give a shot uh see if i like it so yeah that content is bringing in people like myself i that have have not been consistently disney plus customers yeah well good for them i mean Everybody knew it was coming, right? It was just a matter of time for them to get their their ducks in a row. I think they, I don't know, <sighs> whatever. I guess I'll, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'll watch them. I'll fuck fine. I'll find Disney. I'll give you my money. Whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. No, you gotta keep it because I I'm on your account. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching Grey's Anatomy on Disney Plus. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm glad we have different profiles so you don't fuck my algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're modern day sugar daddy there. Like, <laughs> you know, she's on my she's on my Disney Plus. <laughs> ching ching dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> okay, I let's touch briefly on the weekly release format. It's bullshit. Okay. It's, it's absolute dumb. bullshit. No, no, it's more than dumb, it's manipulation. It's solely to keep you buying another month. Yeah. Right? Or else yeah. you could just binge through everything you wanted and quit the service. Right. Which which is the, the that it should be the preferred way for the customer. If the customer comes first, you release all the content and then the customer chooses how quickly or how slowly to watch that stuff. That was what streaming's original edge was mm -hmm. over traditional TV. And now by dropping the one episode a week, there's no other explanation for it because you know they've completed the whole season other than we just want to keep you another couple months and make sure you keep subscribed. Yeah, I agree. Emma? I think that with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I I had, like, I forgot, okay, it's Friday, I can watch it, but, like, I was like, it's fine, I can wait another day. Like, I don't need to watch it right now because, like, there's not going to be a new episode until, like, next week. And with WandaVision, I wanted to binge it and we got the Disney Plus when a couple episodes already were released. And I tried to space them out, but then I was really excited about it. So I wanted to see it as soon as it released. And then I was disappointed because there were short episodes. Yeah, right. The first few. Well, I think with WandaVision, they released at least the first two at the same time or something. Maybe the first three. I, I'm not sure. And judging by the those three episodes like that that's smart because those are really the ones that are in the different eras of the tv show and they're kind of the weird ones and a strange entry point into this and it's not really until like episode four where you figure out what exactly is going on so that makes sense with the falcon of the winter soldier i would admit the first episode of fatwas is the abbreviation terrible abbreviation for that show <laughs> it didn't catch me at all like the first episode is pretty poor episode for falcon of the winter soldier like i wasn't into it so i didn't watch it 
Like I lost interest, so I didn't watch it for like three weeks. And then I had episodes to binge. I'm like, oh, great. And I started watching them. I watched like three in a row. And then I really started to enjoy it. And there were a few episodes where, uh, specifically episode five and six, because actually Falcon was only six. It's a six-episode season. I mean, they're all an hour-ish long episodes. But it's a very short season. And I think uh, that, I mean, obviously that's good and bad. We've talked about that before. Too drawn out. There's too much filler, blah, blah, blah. But episode five and six could have been a single episode because five directly led into six. Like the last, that that final episode started and it was literally action. There was no setup because it entirely continued directly from what just happened at the end of five. But the end of five is the controversial shot, right? Or was that four? No, that was five, right? With the shield and the blood. Uh, no, that's four. At the end of five is literally Sam opening up the case for his new suit and you don't quite get to see oh. the suit yet. And then six, he's in the suit. They're going after the terrorists and trying to stop their plan right at the beginning of six. And then you get like this really great like first twenty minute action scene in in episode six, which was which was dope. Uh, and then you get you know some of the fallout after it. the pacing on that might have been a little off, but but if I was bi- I would I would I want to binge that because that's a binge. That's like you said, I Emma. Mean, it's just a long ass movie. <laughs> like so, what are you doing to me? What's the benefit here? Like Moby says, it's just a fucking scam. Just annoying. Yeah. I was just actually going to ask quickly your thoughts about uh, Wyatt Russell as the jerk Captain America. Just that's one of the more controversial things I've read. Like the actor was getting death threats, but apparently he's acting exactly what he's supposed to be. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. What was I calling him again, Leland? I forgot how I was calling the Captain America. Mm, I Captain forget. Jerk? Yeah, something rude at least. <laughs> I think he is one of the best written characters in the show, actually, uh, because wow. yes, he is. He he's a douche. Um, he's not necessarily a villain. He wants to do the best he can, and he's frustrated because, uh, like, they make him cap right, and then he does. He doesn't have a super serum when he's when he's cap, so he's not as effective as, of course, Chris Evans was in Captain America. So he's get frustrated and. He, you know, he's a war vet and they make some references to uh, something that happened with him and his, him and his sidekick he had, because he has his own sidekick, uh, for lack of a better term. I, I do like his sidekick too, actually. It's like, so obviously they've seen some shit and there's a scene where they're both kind of reminiscing, like, man, think of what we could have done if we had the serum. And in that fight, like, think of how many people that, the change it would have made for so many lives, being able to save so many people kind of thing, right? So he, I mean, he struggles with that. And he does eventually get his hands on a serum and takes it. And the immediate episode after he's taken it, like you actually don't see him take it. So he's out in a fight and then suddenly he's kicking dudes through fucking walls. And you're like, oh, he took it. (laughs) And then that leads to the end of, I think that was episode four, where he like decapitates a dude with cap shield out of anger because his sidekick gets killed. Like it's a really great scene. I don't know. He's a he's a good character. I like him, and you 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 love to hate him. He, that's the way he's written, and he's portraying it perfect. Yeah, that's way too far. We could do a segment on crazed fans at some point too. But like mm-hmm. to to literally give an actor death threats for makes no sense for a role. Like, come on, guys. It's... Anyways, I'm excited by Loki for Loki though. Yeah, I was oh, gonna yeah. say if there, if there's anything on these lists that any of us are particularly excited about, Loki. That's it, eh? That's all you care about? That's the first thing coming, right? For me. Yeah, it is the next thing. Yeah. 
comes out in June, it looks like. Really quick. I think that is going to be a, a Wednesdays fan instead of Fridays. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So it's releasing sooner, too. Yeah. Loki. Loki's a cool character. I almost would want to follow up with Emma and see if she if you think it's a, a really good show like a few episodes in if it's something worth investing in because it looks like it might have a pretty good narrative structure but if it's just like monsters of the week episode where loki just you know he is forced to do something and then he backstabs people and then he's caught rinse wash repeat like that we saw that in the movies and you know i just want more depth to loki than you know, oh he's gonna trick him again oh he's gonna right you know <laughs> shit disturb and then they'll capture him again because he's not that strong really that's i mean that's interesting you say that because like this particular loki is not the loki that we saw die in infinity war right uh by thanos's hand this it's is the one going back with the tester exactly this is a multiverse version of loki so this is actually the loki from like the beginning of the thor movies and like avengers number one that exact character that you just described Moby. The, the without the growth that we actually saw him go through, like in Ragnarok and all this, the, you know, bonding with Thor and all that stuff, all of that's gone, completely erased. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to get around that, or now they're just going to take us through that growth again. Like, I don't know. I do fully expect, here's my own prediction I have, I fully expect uh, that Loki, though, to to see himself die by Thanos' hand. That's what I think we're going to see. I think he's going to somehow witness and be some type of silent observer or something to that point. This other version of himself dying, this self-sacrifice as it was, um, I think he's going to see that. And they're going to play on that some, I don't know. That's my prediction, my loose prediction. But I think that's going to happen. I'm going to be biased anyway, like right. it, that it's going to be good because I just, I'm a Loki fan. So that's just, I won't have a proper opinion. I just like Loki. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the combination of Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson is going to be dynamite. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if either of you seen uh, like interviews of Tom Hiddleston doing an impression of Owen Wilson as Loki. No. Like <laughs> it's really fucking funny. It's, I'm gonna tr I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, but it's really fucking yeah, hilarious. Do it, do it. It's I'd really love to good. see that. I, I just <laughs> really love the good. idea that Owen Wilson is like resurrected from the dead to of his career to be like a leading person in the MCU. Like at this point, right? who isn't awesome. in the MCU? Well, you know, there is a whole, uh, uh, I've seen a lot of, since I've been on TikTok, I've seen a lot of theories, but almost all the actors Tom Hiddleston has worked with are now in the MCU. So wow. a lot of people Tom Hiddleston acted with in whatever are now also, because he also played with Owen Wilson. I don't know where, but I saw like, they connected things and didn't yeah. uh oh what's her name because she's super famous didn't tom hiddleston have a brief romance with that super famous blonde singer what's her name oh taylor swift <laughs> Duh. taylor swift yeah yeah taylor swift so so taylor swift <laughs> that like really somehow entered the mcu yeah so i believe the movie with oh it wasn't on tom hiddleston was midnight in paris from 2011 wow if anyone's interested, <laughs> I don't know what it's about. Well, I'm interested in anything with Owen Wilson. So, you know, I do so like Owen hot, Wilson, yeah. so hot right now. So, so hot, hot right now. Hansel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I think that was pretty good. Let's move on. Let's get out of here. 
to crazy about cardboard. I did title this segment, you should have that Twitch looked at. So, especially in the pandemic times, there has been a huge, huge boom in tabletop board game streaming. That also uh, has been impacted by the boom, I think, in digital, uh, uh, accessible, easily accessible digital implementations of board games as well. Makes it very easy to stream. We do have Emma on, uh, Twitch streamer extraordinaire, to Ooh, lend what? to lend her expertise. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, Emma, so you've been doing this for almost a year now. You're coming on, I think, 11 months now-ish, right? Yeah, near the end of May, I believe, will be 11-ish months. Uh, yeah. What has been your overall experience and, and feelings? I mean, obviously, you enjoy it for doing it as long as you have been. Yeah, it's it's been an experience. I started streaming more with video games. So, like, I streamed Portal and Portal 2 uh, because I knew those games already and I just wanted to get into streaming with a game I was already comfortable with and re-explore it. And I love the game, so it was an easy choice to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think I was already... Well, I was on the brink of becoming a part of Girls Game Shelf because I think... The first board game related streams were with them. Right. But uh, my memory has been, uh, it's been a year. Uh, (laughs) So from video games to crafting to board games, board games are hard to stream if you have a physical board game. Mm -hmm. Mostly because you need a second webcam. You need to have kind of have like a C stand to do a proper top down. Or whatever, I used a tripod and just whatever I had on hand to do it. And then it's the question, do you want to like solo a game or do you want to play a game with the viewers? Like, for example, Welcome To or Color It, something that's easy. So it's like there's so much to think about and you want to have proper quality. So at some point you're going to start investing in a better webcam or uh, like studio lights and eventually RGB floodlights <laughs> for your background. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's 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 been a lot. And I think initiatives like Tabletop Live Network are a really good thing where um, there's a bunch of tabletop streamers who stream for 24 hours, so everyone has a two-hour slot, and they stream board games. Either they play it with a guest, or they play a solo, or play with a chat. I have done a chat, I have done a guest stream, I will do a... The next Tabletop Live Network, I will be doing a digital implementation of a board game. Right. So it's like figuring it out. Not all board games are good to play with stream but you can also be like some people invented a way to play isle of cats remote edition like more with the viewers and you gotta get creative if you are not able to play with other people <laughs> the yeah. board games yeah yeah that makes sense I, I mean obviously that's been not being able to play in person has been a, i think a, a drive for a lot of people i mean i know uh brand beard gaming like they started their twitch channel because they no longer could could play in person with each other and they just kind of miss playing games with each other so this was an advent for them to to be able to act to you know still socialize and get at least a a a similar feeling to that that sociable i mean i know that's something that moby you've been struggling with right you're a very social person 
Yeah, I am. And, and it's interesting because as you talk about it, I, I knew nothing of this. Like I'm not on Twitch. I don't like watch people on Twitch. I know what it is. But hearing that this is a thing, there's like a pull. There's like kind of an appeal because I miss board gaming with people in person. You're even bringing back some good memories like how with my friend Joe, uh, who lived in Ontario, so like other side of Canada, uh, we wired him in with some webcam suspended from the ceiling and stuff like that into a game of... Uh, Twilight Why am Imperium. I forgetting these games? Twilight <laughs> and Fury because we haven't played games. Yeah, it's been <laughs> so long. That was a That's hell of a, a setup. a big game to play. <laughs> well, he he even went out, got his own physical copy, and had an exact duplicate of the board in front of him playing. It was crazy. It was It, it, it was so awesome. admin to do. Yeah, it's a lot of effort. It was a lot of effort, but he he really enjoyed it, and it was fun. Um, it it somehow worked because yeah, sure, he had to know exactly where every piece was moving, but he essentially had a copy of the whole board game in front of him. I don't know, it just somehow worked. But back to the the Twitch streaming. So it's interesting. Like, is this like? Emma, you do it. Is this big? Like, do you have a lot of viewers who watch and they, like, actually pay money to watch you play board games? So you don't actually have to pay to watch me. So Twitch works, like, it's free and you can subscribe. Twitch takes 50% of subscriptions, so that's, like, a total ripoff. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, rag- it's a bit of a racket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like... I think the board game community, I got onto the streaming wagon, not as one of the first, but I got on the train fairly early, I think, at the right time. Now there are so many people streaming, which is good, but there's also like a, it's oversaturated. So there's too many people streaming at the same time. Things like Tabletop Live Network is something that at least gives you like, they do like a hype train, uh... They raid into each other's streams at, so the train keeps going. Those viewers can, like, if you have the prime time, because of, most of them are Americans, there could be 100 viewers. Well, I mean, that's the thing with uh, Twitch in general is there, and even, like, I mean, that's part of social media marketing and stuff, right? There are peak times to be putting your posts, right, to get the most engagement, it's just mm-hmm. the same fucking thing. All the Twitch is, is it's just marketing yourself, right? And one of the one of the overall questions I want to ask about in this segment was like, can't is this growing the hobby? Or is it just another place for the people already in the hobby to congregate and enjoy the hobby? Because when you're jump like you say, like yes, tabletop live network is a great initiative uh, by Brothers Murph and Rural Gabiola and tons of other people that have hands in it now, right? Uh, and they have a lot of a lot of great people that uh, are get included in and they get a spotlight, which is awesome because, like you say, there are a ton a ton of people doing it now, and it, it, it is tough to to rise like rise to the top. Even if you do have a great setup and, and you know the good personality to go, like there's a lot of people to sift through, right? And not everyone is gonna like every stream or two, right? But in these chats, there's a lot of overlap like you'll go in and you'll see usernames that you recognize in someone else's chat right there's a there is a there's a lot of that so are 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 we gaining more people into the hobby with this is is this giving more a a larger exposure because i think of like i've been watching and playing a lot of call of duty warzone lately 
and I've been watching a lot of Warzone streams, like turn tourney streams and stuff, right? Obviously, there's you know the video game industry is comparing apples to oranges when you talk about board game industry, but it feels like those types of streams for video games like those can grow the interest in a particular project. Do you think that? Am I off base there? Do you think? I experienced, for example, I did a Quex of Quedlinburg stream, I think for Tabletop Live Network 2, and someone was really interested, like, oh, what's this game, and where can I play it, and it's available on Tabletopia, so, like, I informed that viewer about where to find it and how to play it, and I think discoverability on Twitch is already hard, Yeah, and if you focus on one thing only, you can grow a fan base around that but i like to call myself a variety streamer because i just like a bunch of things so the crafting video games and board games so if you have some people following you for crafting and they tune in for a board game stream they lose interest they can maybe like maybe there's a crafty board game like patchwork it's a crafty team board game maybe that interests them and i get to introduce them into the board game hobby too but like you said, a lot of the names in the chats are the same because our community is really tight and there's this bubble already on Twitch. But I do notice like that if I sometimes stream a crafting stream and those people keep coming back for other streams too, right? it grows a little bit. But I mean, I'm not the biggest one. I will probably not be a big one, but like, it's fun to at least see those things. Yeah, I, I mean, Twitch... The way Twitch operates, the entire platform is gamified, right? You you know, if you sub to a creator, a streamer, you will get access to their special emotes. Uh, you'll get a little badge icon next to your username in chat. Like, you can use those emotes in other people. So, like, you, it's like people, like, a lot of people, again, it's it's driven off of, like, that, you know, that, that rush that you get. When a streamer, like especially if they're a larger streamer, like, oh, they see your name in the chat and they like call out your name and they say, Oh, thanks for the blah blah. Right? This acknowledgement and like this 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 immediate gratification almost, like that viewers seek and that Twitch is designed to give to viewers again, because Twitch has taken 50% of <laughs> the subs. So it feels like though, like, because that's the case, everybody there's there's like a base amount of things that everybody needs in their stream because that's now what everyone expects every streamer to have like you know commands and uh channel port rewards like for moby like if you're watching a person's channel you accumulate these points and that streamer can make different rewards at different levels of points to get them to do something on stream like uh standard ones that twitch you just kind of start off with when you make your profile like a hydrate so, you know, if people redeem like 100 points, you take a drink of water as if you're streaming for long. Posture checks, um, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like, again, it's it's interaction. It's All it is is just interaction with the streamer. Make me put on my parrot onesie. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. That's what it is. And, and again, it's nice that you can, can you can cater those those channel point rewards, right, to your, to your stream. So how much of it, though, is like, personality base everyone having channel points everyone has commands they can put in you know from nightbot that'll get that'll make something happen in chat so you you again furthering that engagement like all it is is it 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 will ultimately boil down to the creator right yeah as i'm saying that i don't 
think that is a bad thing, though. <laughs> right? Is that bad? No, like, it's the same as making friends in real life. Some people are connectable or, like, you have a good vibe with and others you don't. So they're, like, that's maybe a little bit floaty, but, like, their energy could, like, be totally different than what you're looking for. It could be really high energy while you were watching, like, while you want a more calm down stream or a chill stream. Or one does a lot of zooms and a lot of, like, effects and stuff. Or the other is just doesn't even have a face camera. Right. So it's more like it's, everyone has their own preferences of what they want to view or lurk while they work. Uh, so you can also say, like, hey, I'm lurking. And they have the stream up in the background while they do their work or something else. I wouldn't want to watch a hyperactive person jump around while I am trying to work as a background. I would want to watch a chill stream crafting or gaming that's not shooting and action blasting everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it depends probably on the moment, what kind of person you are, what kind of person you want to watch as your relaxation or enjoyment. With the board games, it's like we all support each other. So you want to try and tune into each other's streams a lot too. So that's also contributing to the bubble forming, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's part of your community growth. Are some of these streams for the board games like pretty advanced to the point like that the camera will switch so you can see the hidden cards of each player as it's their turn and then there's like an overhead camera? Like, does it get that advanced or is it typically just camera on you well i have two cameras so i would just have one face camera and one for the board game okay i have for quacks i used tabletopia for the like a couple components but i had the physical pots to draw the chits and put them in because i like that part of the game to have it physical so you could combine it so i have like three screens going at the same time but i feel like it depends. I don't think there's some people that have a like kind of green screen thing where they can like show a card more clear over the table, but they just put it somewhere else and have it overlaid on top of that view and stuff. But okay, it's it's cool. one board gaming is an expensive hobby. Not everyone can afford it, so Tabletopia and stuff already makes it easier. But streaming and that kind of equipment. Is also really expensive. Yeah. So to be able to do those kind of things, I don't think there's enough money in the streams for that. So to invest in that is maybe still like we're going there, of course, like with all the conventions having been online last year too, like some companies would have had to invest in that kind of equipment, but like individuals like me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, understand. I understand yeah the, the good thing about that is those companies can instead invest in individuals like you and that's what they ultimately did now do you think that the online conventions are going to remain a thing i know pre-pandemic gen can't was a very popular thing it wasn't anything that was specifically organized but people that could not or were not going to gen con would post pictures of them maybe getting with their home group on that weekend. And they would, it would, you know, they call it Gen Cant. And there, I think there was some organization uh, of like online games for people that wanted to get together and play. Like, so there's definitely was structure there. And I think there will continue to be more and more structure. But are those going to remain a thing? Like, are we going to have 
online versions still of Gen Con, uh, like sh- uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, like Shucks. Like, are we still, you think 2022 we're going to have online versions still? I think they will, but in a smaller scale. So, like, still have streams, probably, but I don't think there has been... A lot of the online conventions have been hits or miss. Mostly miss, because you had 10,000 Discord groups you could join, which is way too many already, and the demos were, like, it depended on which... It was just all over the place, and... I feel like this year it could go better, but a lot of people are, of course, hoping that they are able to go to a physical convention, which I would say just don't this year. Like, just wait <laughs> for a little bit longer. But yeah, I don't know. I Maybe in some shape or form, but I don't think it's going to be as big. It should be good for people like me who are not as able to visit American conventions. And for Americans to visit Spiel is also a bit more hard. So it makes it more accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still in its its infancy and still working out the bugs just in time for, you know, physical conventions to become a thing again and not have to bother that with that investment. Because like these companies, if so, you know, taking, say, like their money for getting a booth space in a physical convention, that money can go towards like promoting and paying streamers to promote their stuff instead there's no lot like it's not an either or anymore it's a both so a lot of a lot of smaller publishers cannot afford that no but then there's also the case that probably publishers are going to be like oh but do we have to pay for that well i like there's always the case of people doing this also for free which makes it harder for other people to ask for money and you have yeah. that whole freelancer thing too like why would you ask someone, why would you pay someone to play your game on stream when they could also do it for free, right? Right, right. Well, yeah, I don't know, people get paid for your fucking work. <laughs> don't do things for free. It's easier said than done. I know, I know, but... So, I mean, another thing I've noticed is there is a lot of uh, board game designers that are streaming as well. So maybe the overall hobby won't grow with a lot of these streams, but I think individual designers can really highlight themselves and grow their own brand and garner further interest in their own games. Uh, I think this is a really good avenue for, for that to happen. Yeah. So Moby, are you going to get on Twitch now? <laughs> are you going to get in there? No. Uh, well, maybe because I would love to spend like half an hour earning the right to see someone drink from a water bottle. So that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Like, that is about how long it would take. <laughs> you know, the, I think I maybe t- went to stream one or Twitch one time, and that was to watch my brother do Counter-Strike. And it was basically watching my brother say a bunch of F-bombs, trying to look cool as he shot people. So I think I like spent like 20 minutes there. I had some whiskey, so I was kind of numb, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. But so much of this is just so weird hearing this as a guy who's been a lifelong geek, but just kind of like an outsider to this uh Uh, technology specifically i mean i think one of the other issues on this topic specifically is that i really enjoy board games but i enjoy them in person during the pandemic i've done some board game nights over just playing like video board games with some friends of mine it's okay 
it's fun, but for me, it does not match being in person. And that's just my, that's just how I work as a very social person, as Leland said. I miss being in person playing games. I miss being in person with Leland specifically playing games. He has so many. I that too. <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're similar that way. I mean, it used to be like we'd go to a barbecue and Leland would come over with like a Santa sack of games and be like, pick a game, any game. Someone's got a game, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like I miss I miss that part of life. Yeah, um, uh, you're stuff just not alone. Yeah, definitely not alone in that. I mean, it's just even like even podcasting in person with Leland. I, I miss, um, you know, I've got one of his mics here. I've had it for over a year. And he and I, I live, we live like a five minute drive apart, but I think we podcast maybe once or twice together during the pandemic um, when restrictions yeah, were kind of early. loosened. But I mean, what we do now works fine, but I, I miss that. So hopefully, like if you're wondering my thoughts, my thoughts are for the casual board gamers. I don't know if they'd ever get into that Twitch stuff. People like me. Or at least stick with it. But I think there's a big group of us that enjoy playing board games, even the more complex kind of board games that have come out in the last many years. But we we only want to do it in person. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. Uh, honestly, like Twitch is like a whole another like universe uh, as far as like the languages and like the the memes and like all, I. I don't know what any of it is. <laughs> Are there memes? I don't particularly care. To, well, you know, like the poggers and all that shit and all this. Like, I don't know what any of it is. I don't know what any of it means. That's Bill. That's just Bill talking. That's, oh, that's not just Bill. I don't care what any of it means, honestly. Um, there's a whole, I mean, there's just like so much functionality with it that people can get into and get excited about. And like, it's, I mean, yeah, obviously people do it for their job, but it is, it, it can be one of those full-time hobbies things, right? That anybody can really dive into and they may not get any uh, anything out of it uh, substantially as far as financial gains goes but i think there's a lot that people do and can get out of it other than that right well you should well you shouldn't start like you could start streaming to earn money but that's not the mind f i don't think it should be the mindset for starting to stream for me it was to have a social moment without having too much social stuff. Like it's just one sided me. Hi, it can be social. And the chat is interacting. I really like an active chat though. But you gotta imagine just like you wanna share a passion. Like for me, it was Portal and playing the video games and having a space. Like a couple years ago, if you had asked me if I was gonna stream, I would say no. Like I don't wanna have my face on camera live. Mm -hmm. But no, no way. So, like, yeah, I didn't know where I was going with this. But. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, for me, when I, like, I do a bit of streaming on the Incursible Party Twitch channel. And when I do it, like, solo, it's really, like, because I want to play a game. <laughs> and I always have my camera really small in one corner, and I try to focus, I put the focus and emphasis on the game that I'm playing, because I want to enjoy the that game. But, like, then the thing is, if I start a game you really got to finish it on stream <laughs> so I can't just play it whenever the fuck I want, which is not how I play video games. I don't play video games on well, a schedule. Or... <laughs> True. Well, I quit Hollow Knight because it made my laptop crash on stream, so I am not finishing Hollow Knight on stream. Well, Hollow Knight sucks, so <laughs> it's hard. It's too hard. Hollow Knight sucks. <laughs> 
play Resident Evil, Emma. <laughs> join, <laughs> join the club. <laughs> I will not to continue talking about Resident Evil, but I will say there have been many times that I was legitimately, legitimately scared playing that game so far. There are some cheap jump scares, okay, but I'm also just some. Not gonna play it. <laughs> yeah, well, did did you did the crow scare you? The hanging crow, the one that was still alive in the very beginning of the game. Actually, I didn't jump with that one, but that's yeah, me like neither. The very first but I'm one. like, I should have jumped. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's a cool idea. I should have jumped at this, but I didn't. Yeah, mine it it flew away and it was cawing for a long ass time on my. I don't know if it was like an <laughs> audio glitch. I heard the cawing for like the next 10 minutes of the game. Like, where is this fucking crow? It's like circling around. That was me. I'm sorry. That was oh, me. that's right. Uh, Leland, that's because you're one of the few purchasers of the Canuck the Crow DLC for the game. Oh, I see. He's flying around with a knife in his beak. Flying around with a fucking knife. Even the lichens run from it. It that's keeps right. you from that initial battle scene. They're, they're afraid of Canuck. Yeah, oh, no, my man. bird didn't fly. My bird, like, stuck on his string, and he was just rotating. He's like, rah, 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 but he stuck on the, wow. s- the string the whole time. I swear mine fell off and flew away. <laughs> Maybe I was hallucinating at the time. <laughs> that game is a bit of a trip. I would say Ethan cannot keep his appendages on his end of his no, wrist to save can't. his fucking life. Like, oh, my he goodness. Can't. He doesn't even care. He has like half a hand and he's just like, okay, yeah. he's like opening doors with it. He's performing complex, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like dexterity maneuvers on little things yeah. with half there's a hand. A, it's bloody. There's a part where he grabbed a, a, a zip line with two and a half fingers and had no problem How getting to the end of it. <laughs> It's <laughs> the weirdest thing. Well, it's just, it's like a continuation of Scary Movie 2 with Handsome. It's like, that's my strong, <laughs> my strong hand. hand. <laughs> strong hand on the zip line. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I love how he like, he always pours the first aid, like liquid on, on his one. bad hand, which heals yeah. his whole body. It's just like, well, I mean, you know, it's the quickest way to get into your bloodstream. Nathan's always missing that hand. <laughs> Through an open wound. <laughs> I mean, by by his next game, he'll be like, he'll be like, "What? I have a healthy hand in the beginning of the game." Yeah, it'll fuck just that. Back. <laughs> just he'll do just it as well. Her. Just cut out the middle man. <laughs> That's right. Cut out the middle hand. <laughs> oh, the middle hand. <laughs> Emma okay, doesn't this... like gross stuff. I can tell. But... <laughs> Emma, why don't you uh, give us plugs, tell everyone where they can find you again, and we'll uh, we'll move into end of show stuff. Uh, you well, all the links are listed on my website, pointlessparent.com. But on Twitter and Instagram, Twitch, I'm Mzaya, so that's E M M Z A J A because I pronounce it quite Dutch, mm-hmm. honestly. Pointless Parrot Podcast, Parrot Podcast on Twitter. I guess that's it. I have a Red Bubble store with very cool stuff. Yeah, there you go. Some of your uh, your pizza yeah. pals. Pizza animals. Pizza no. pals. Is that what pizza you're calling animals. them? Oh yeah, pizza animals. Because pizza pal was already a chain or something. Oh right. <laughs> no <Yeah>. copyright infringement. <laughs> no. Uh, they're like a pizza fish or a pizza puppy and that kind of stuff. So if you just look for pointless parrot on Redbubble, you will find it. Perfect. Sounds good. And the show stuff. Uh, you can find our website at ttpopcast.com, on Instagram and Facebook, TT Popcast. 
I'm on Twitter, Leland underscore Steel, and that's who I've been. And I've been Moby. I just want to say, listener, take care, as always. <laughs> Thanks, I, ju- I decided to switch it up today. I noticed. I, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you throw them off. <laughs> Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.